This is Stacy Finney. Today is May 4th, 2014, and I'm sitting in for Loud Fast Philly. Today I'm meeting with Joey Jap, and we are in the fine neighborhood of Port Richmond. Hello, Joey Jap. Hey, what's up, Stacy? <laughs> nice to see you. Thanks for meeting with me. Um, let's just get started and tell before, me. Before we start this interview, I need to know something. What's do, that? Do you have your underwear on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. I'm known for wearing my underwear inside out, but today it is on straight. I double checked. Thank okay, you. Okay, cool. All right, let's. <laughs> now that everybody knows, uh, let's get started. Um, tell me the year you were born and where you were born. I was born in 1964 in South Philly. South Philly. Um, and is that where you grew up, South Philly? Is that the neighborhood where you spent most of your formative years? No. I moved out of South Philly at a very early age, like in first grade. I went to St. Paul's. Mm -hmm. And um, I never even finished my first grade year there. I ended up moving to North Philly. Okay. And are your parents from Philadelphia originally? No, they're from Puerto Rico. From Puerto Rico. Yeah, they moved here from Puerto Rico. I don't know when. Sometime they did. <laughs> and you were born with the given name Joey Jap. <laughs> Is that the name that's Something in your like birth that. certificate? Uh, yeah. Uh, and when I when I was uh, growing up in North Philadelphia, um, everybody had nicknames there, and they a lot of people used to call me Chino or China Man, and because of my eyes, they said I looked Asian. And in that neighborhood, there's a million. I try not to curse. What part? For, back up one second. <laughs> what part of North Philadelphia? What 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 corner? Uh, well, uh, I, I lived it. I lived in the Tioga section, like okay. in Tioga, which is next to kind of Huntington Park, mm -hmm. but that's not where I used to hang. I used to hang more, well, actually, I used to hang closer to Pike Street, which is actually more in the Huntington Park area. Okay. But, um, so anyway, they would say, oh, China Man, yo, or yo, Chino, and in that neighborhood, every person with a slanted eyes has that nickname, so... When you say, yo, Chino, you got like five Puerto Ricans that turn around. <laughs> or if you say, yo, Negro, you got five, you know what I mean? Yo, Negro. Very politically correct neighborhood. So I, I, used to, I, I would just say to people, well, just call me Jap, because no one had that name. And that uh, were my initials, Joseph. You wanted to be known as Japanese, not Chinese. Joseph Anthony <laughs> Perez. No, I just wanted to be deficient, whatever the word I'm looking for, you know, from everybody you else. Be, yes, different. I didn't want to have the same name as everybody else, sure. so, so that's, that's how that came Jeff. about. Joseph Anthony Perez. Perfect. How old were you when so you So I was born with it. You were born yeah. with it. So <laughs> when, um, what year was that that you became Jap? Uh, Do you remember? Probably 11, 12, when okay. I was just graffitiing, okay. you know. We'll get to that. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about little Joey Jap growing up. What were you like? Uh, in, in, in my, in my, like, early grade school years, I was kind of like a, a terror, you know, I, mean, I I don't know, I just, I couldn't stand still, I was always fidgety, I used to chew the collars of all my, my shirts, mm -hmm. all, when I would come home from the school, all my shirt collars were always chewed up, you Were you still I mean? in Catholic school at that point, in grade school? Yeah, yeah, I was in Catholic school, yeah, Okay. and, I don't know, I guess I, 
had, had you been identified at that point as having any attention problems? No, or? no. Back then, they didn't have those. Now they got a million of you them. Just got snacked by the nun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or chew, chew my car. I had long hair, so every time I would get my pictures taken at, at school, the the photographer would call me Tarzan. He'd be like, smile, Tarzan. And they, did did they have a dress code at the school where you were supposed to wear your hair a certain length and certain clothing? Or uh, I'm sure. Like, yeah, you did have to wear certain clothing for Catholic school. They didn't really bother you, on, on, you know, on your hair length. Mm -hmm. so. okay. And what was that like for you, being being a very active young boy and, and in that environment where rules and expectations are very clearly defined and much different than, I think anyway, public school um, being in the classroom, yeah. what was, were you in trouble a lot, or? I didn't get in trouble too much, no, not in school, outside of school <laughs> I did. What kind of trouble outside of school? Oh, outside of school I got in trouble. What was Joey Jap doing outside of school? Uh, just, we would go robbing trains. Ro robbing trains, like stealing trains or going well, on the trains and breaking. robbing people? No. <laughs> The, the boxcars, like mm -hmm. they would pull up and park mm -hmm. for several hours and we would bust open the doors and we would get out what was ever in there. Anything from cereal, mini bikes, go-karts, flamethrowers. Is this stuff that people left behind or, I mean, where no, did these items it's, come it's from? No, it's stuff that, that's they're delivering it's just they're brand new in boxes okay so See, i'm thinking like the l the subway cars no Those are like the train, train cars on going through 30th street delivering yeah well this was in north philly yeah but come all right coming yeah. through yeah okay yeah right. we would we would rob you know, we robbed the trains how old were you at that point um, 14 15 so 13. so backing up a little bit how did you go from Little Joey going to Catholic school to stealing, robbing train cars. Like what? So it was it was the neighborhood. It was the the atmosphere I grew up in. Were like, you in a gang? Well, <laughs> in the eighties, seventies, well, <laughs> earlier, early, later after that, I hung out at Pike Street. We used to call ourselves the Pikers. You know, Six and Pike. We had a. A stupid motto: There ain't no, there ain't no biker better than bad than a biker. <laughs> <laughs> and what did the pikers do? Oh, we just hung on the corner and just sold drugs, uh, just partied and like laughed at people as they walked by. Just you know? I mean, but you... I mean, we didn't start trouble or nothing mm -hmm. like that, but trouble would happen and sometimes we you find know, you somehow. You got into fights and yeah, I got Were you yeah. defending your corner or was Yeah, that... and your friends. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I guess, you know, you sort of kind of touched on it. You, you said that this is kind of what you just did. You feel like you just fell into that um you know, atmosphere and the people that you hung out with just by virtue of where you lived in North Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, I had a choice, just like everybody else, sure. but I, I guess I chose that. And you that was like mean? mid set, like late seventies. Late seventies, early eighties. Early eighties. So, so tell me a little bit more, just so that listeners, you know, because people could be, could be listening to this who have no idea about Philadelphia and how the neighborhoods were kind of segregated and broken up. Um, 
culturally, economically um, during those times. So can you talk a little bit about the culture of North Philly and the economics and the politics, like what that was like for you and what you remember? Yeah, well, I remember when I first moved there, which was the early 70s, it was a really nice neighborhood. It was, it was pretty much all Irish and Italian. They had, just like the Italian market had the Italian mob, they had it down there on around Sixth and Pike. They had um, Sylvie's Cafe it was a, uh, that they all hung out at. And uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the big club. They had a big club there that was just as famous as Palumbo's, Scioli's. Okay. Like Sinatra would go mm -hmm. there. And anyway, when I first moved there, it was we were like one of the first Hispanic families to move there. And um, it seemed like... When Jimmy Carter let the undesirables over from Cuba, that North Philly got flooded with mm. cocaine. Okay. And and then that's just in my memory how it started going downhill. Um, that guy that killed Magali's father, I mean uh, sister, he was he was an undesirable from Cuba. Back up a little bit and tell me about who, Magali. I know Magali. Yeah, Listeners yeah. don't know Magali. Oh, who is she, Magali? she was just um, I, my ex-girlfriend from North Philly. As teenagers. Yeah, as teenagers. Went out for years. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but he 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 was he was from Cuba and he had a, a police record. Her father. Her, no, the her, the guy who killed who killed her, her mom and her sister. Raul was his name. It was her her mom's boyfriend. So what happened? I mean, they, it was a random act, or was there some kind of a drug involvement with this yeah, guy? Yeah. Magali's brother, I believe it was Magali. Yeah, it was Magali's brother Spock, and Lefty robbed this guy. This guy was a drug dealer. He had a lot of money, and um, CJ Magali's brother. His, his daughter was playing with Raul's house keys, so he noticed they were Raul's house keys, so they took, they took the keys off the, you know, off the baby, and they're like, you know, we got Raul's house keys. They, they went and robbed his house. Uh, I don't know how much it was. It was a lot of money. Um, and then they went and bought 15 pounds of weed with the money, and it was beet weed. It was fake. And... Her sister and mother got murdered because of it. How old was Magali, and how old were you when that happened? We were in our early 20s then. Okay, so that was a little bit later. Because yeah. you, you both knew each other as teenagers. Yeah, yeah, I think she right? was 16 or 15 when I first met her. Now, you know, I was, I think, 18, something like that. And was that kind of violence typical in your neighborhood as by that time? Yeah, uh, you kind of get accustomed to it, and it seems normal to you. There's always people getting shot and killed, and you run to the corner as a kid. It was like excitement, you know, almost, you know, where, you know, any other neighborhood, it seemed weird. Run for cover. There, yeah, run to there, the everybody would run. You hide. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it, it was a bad vibe, yeah. And, um, you know... I think back now about that whole neighborhood, I really don't have any good memories of it, seriously. What's that neighborhood like now, do you... It's changed a lot. I still have a friend who lives there that I go fishing with, and um, it's no more open market uh, drug dealing, it's not really graffitied up, you know, I mean, it's still, you know, it's still not the best neighborhood, but it's, it's 
75% better than what it used to be. What do you think has, has brought about some change for the better to that neighborhood? Uh, I have no idea. I guess because it had just turned in, it was turning into such a big open market you know drug area it was the first it was the first badlands before it moved right. to lehigh avenue right you know and and tell me not everybody knows what the badlands is can you just explain that briefly uh it was just the name for the area down lehigh avenue when when like heroin was making a big comeback and it was always on the news well prior be before before that it was my old neighborhood in north philly um, Which has, has, you know, the Badlands, you think of it as just being like this very dark, scary, bad place. Yeah. You know, that has a lot of violence and not somewhere that you really want to be as an adult, let alone a kid. Put it this way, up. my old neighborhood <laughs> made national news. It was in Time Magazine, a whole article just on... <laughs> on the Badlands. Yeah. I know that there's been a lot of uh, police activity through Operation Sunrise over the years. And <laughs> talk to me about Operation Sunrise. Oh, I, that's a blessing, I guess, because that's how I stopped using drugs. Because of that, yeah, it just got it got so out of hand that uh, you know one day I was down there in North Philly copping, and I I couldn't cop. You know, uh, they were everywhere. And I just went home. I went home. And they were everywhere being undercover police. Uh, they had, well, they had streets all blocked off, okay. so you couldn't go down to cop. You know what I mean? They were chasing guys. You know, they chased them to other corners, and they would deal at other corners, but they just seemed like they had every corner marked, you know, every corner blocked. That there was nowhere else to there go. There was nowhere to go. <laughs> so Operation Sunrise was through the Philadelphia... Uh, police department and, and drug enforcement where they came in to move drug dealers off the corners. Yeah. And at this particular time that you're referring to, do you remember the year? Oh, uh, it, yeah. Well, let's see. Um, I got clean in 30, uh, when I was 34, <laughs> I was going to say 93. When I was 34, <laughs> so I'm 50 now. What's that? Subtract... You do the math. Oh, God. <laughs> 34, 44, we're not going to do so. Okay, it, was, 34, it, was, it was already in, in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, it was late, 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 late 90s. Okay. Probably late 80s or mid 90s. Yeah, we're not going to do the yeah, math. Yeah, that was Operation <laughs> 90s. Operation Sunrise, 90s. There you go. So, so because there was such an infiltration, you couldn't score and you just said the hell with it? or Well, what? it was, you know, it was a bunch of things building up to it. But that was seemed to be the final straw. Um, uh, several, maybe a year before that, I went to Puerto Rico. I'm like, I had this great idea to go to Puerto Rico to kick. You know, I had all this money from, um, I was in a car accident with Paulie Bearer. It's 94, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was in an accident with, with Paul Bearer, and I, my right femur snapped in half. Right? So, I got a lot of case money. So, I had nice chunk of money to get comfortably high for many years and <coughs> so I, my, I had this great idea to go to Puerto Rico to get clean and um, I went to Puerto Rico and like the first day I was there I was on the beach you know I, 
I seen a shady looking character walking by me and you know I knew you know you just you know you you know you know so actually I, I, I was at the pool when this he, he walked by so about 20 minutes later I walked to the beach and he's talking to my girlfriend on the beach <laughs> you know so she knew too right. you know so he ended up you know showing us where to cop and stuff like that so to make a long story short when I got back home from Puerto Rico you know not clean of course I went to cop and it was Operation Sunrise still and I end up you know my drug of choice was dope heroin whatever the hell you want to call it and and I you know I did it I got home and did it and it was coke I was like ah oh. <laughs> you know like I can't I don't know how much longer I could, you know, do this. Which, I don't, I, I mean, yeah. I, I've never done heroin, so I don't know the difference, but, well, um, God, I, mean, I guess One's an upper, one's a downer. Okay. One calms you, one, one, one takes you uh, out of reality, the other one, one puts, puts you, you in it faster. And that's not where you wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. You know? So that, that wasn't good. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, oh, and, you know, that was one of the things, and then the other was going back again, and Operation Sunrise is there again, and I can't, so I was like... I went home, and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to sit in for the long run, you know, go through my withdrawals, which I did, and I was watching the news that night. This totally freaked me the fuck out. I'm watching the news, and they had a similar thing going on in Camden. Mm. It had a different name, but it was the same thing, and they're showing this footage, uh, and the cops have the street blocked off where drug dealers are dealing <coughs> And some kids were trying to get through to do some type of deal, and the cops locked them up. Mm. There was young kids. They called their buddies, mm -hmm. right? So um, a couple minutes later, a car comes, like, barreling through that street. Even with, with the police cars and the police barriers, this car comes barreling through the barricade and starts shooting at the cops with automatic oh weapons. It was, it was like the untouchables. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, I'm going through withdrawal and, and like, you know, when, you know, everything seems so real now because mm -hmm. you're not numbed up. I was getting chills and I was like, this is so crazy. They arrested, it was three kids. They were like 13, 14, and 15. Wow. So did that, I mean, that moment, by the way, that was 98, I sat and did the math in my head because it was driving me nuts, I hate math, and I don't like doing it on the fly, but that was way later, I mean, you've been around since yeah, yeah. the 70s and 80s, yeah. so I mean, that was kind of, an, kind of an epiphany for you at that point, your moment, yeah. where you were like, damn, yeah. I don't want to keep doing this, yeah. is that, yeah. so let's back up a minute. When did you start getting heavy into drugs? Like, what, what, tell, oh, tell me the, well, that, the kind of timeline. Um, that was in the 80s, North Philly, or the early 80s. You know, of course, at first it was just weed, but then, back then, it was so easy and just so plentiful, like, you know. And cheap. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, yeah, it was cheap, too. And back then, you didn't have to have money. You, you could didn't. go front. You know what I mean? Off of anybody on any corner that pretty much knew you, you could go front and they trusted you to pay them back later. And just to explain for anybody who doesn't know, front means they give it to you up front, yeah. right? I'd gladly pay you tomorrow <laughs> yeah. for a hamburger today. Yeah. Is that like how it works? Yeah, exactly. Or you just knew people and you could get it for free. Yeah. And, you know, people are partying. Yeah. So this is, so you were already heavily into drugs before you discovered the punk scene or? Oh yeah, yeah, about, yeah. Uh, 
by that time, yeah, I was, you know, I was doing lots of barbiturates, quaaludes, tuanols, seekanols. Yeah, okay. seekanols. Were you doing heroin yet as a teen? I didn't do heroin, but I did, I did Demerol, I did morphine. I didn't know that was terrible. So, yeah, I didn't yeah, know it, yeah. you know? Different forms of yeah. it. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit. So how does Joey Jap hanging on the corner, robbing trains, getting into fights, defending territory, doing drugs, how do you get into the punk scene? How, uh, what happened? How did you discover that? Like, what were your... First, talk a little bit about your early music influences. What were you listening to as a young... Boy. Growing up in my household, I you know it was it was a musical a musical. My dad played, my uncles played, what did my they brother play? played. My oh my dad, and my uncle played um, Spanish music, hebado, country mm -hmm. music. My brother, he was kind of more like a I guess a, a folky or classic rock. I wouldn't even say folky, just the Dylan. He really loved Dylan, but you know Bowie and Stones and all that stuff. They play guitar. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um. So, in my household, it, you know, it was pretty much just growing up in a, in a classic rock household. Between my, my brothers and my three sisters, my oldest brother, I don't even think he listened to music. Seriously. <laughs> in this house full of music? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My sisters all did, and my brother, so, you know, I grew up listening to... Um, the Stones, Dylan, my sisters loved Cat Stevens, uh, I, you know, mm -hmm. that's one thing I never fell for. It's a lot of the classic rock stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, um... When did you hear your first punk music, or when, when did you start transitioning into that Well, world? okay, <coughs> when I started hanging on Pike Street, them guys, they were really into The Who, you know? And so I got into to the Who. So this was uh, eighty, maybe okay. eighty, eighty-one. So we would go to Tower Theater mm -hmm. to see the Kids Are Right and Quadrophenia all the time. They would always play Rock and Roll High School. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like was my, the Ramones movie. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of like my introduction, be, other than what you would see on the news mm -hmm. at that time. Right. You know. And Quadrophenia, I, I feel anyway, was was fairly alternative for the times, the mods and the rockers, and <laughs> yeah. you know, just the music itself. I mean, I, it did not seem very mainstream yeah. to me at that age. I fell for it. Look, hook, hook, hook lines, and the Ramones too. I mean, what what did you think when you saw Rock and Roll High School? What was your reaction to that? Well, I, I liked the music. You know, I just it was just something new, and like a lot of the kids that I hung out with. They, they really didn't like it too much, so I kind of had to like it on the side. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then this one guy uh, that I hung out with a lot, he was in college around this time. He was going to, I don't know if it was Penn, one of those, or Drexel. Mm -hmm. And so he, he, he started getting into it, you know what I mean? And um, he... He was like, oh, Joe, Joe, you know, you, you, you got to go see this band with me. So he took me to see The Clash at Penn Rink. Mm -hmm. And that was like the first Do you show. Remember what year that was? I think it was 82. Okay. Yeah, I think that, 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 that was the first actual show I went to. Mm -hmm. And then it was shortly after that, the Ramones and B-52s at the zoo. Mm -hmm. But they were like, they were like, 
commercial shows as you know I still hadn't you know been to the little underground right. shows right. you know what I mean but that was sort of the vessel that, that yeah. opens the door for you yeah and sucks yeah. you in yeah yeah I mean if 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 if, if you if, if it would have been the other way around I might have not you know like say if I would have <laughs> went and seen like Cro-Mags or Agnostic Front first you know what I mean it might have not worked out too well for me you, you know? don't think you would have liked it so much no, but no. you liked those kind of bands I did at that but time, it, right? it was something that I had to gradually work myself into you know it's a systematic desensitization yeah. into that kind of music because these dudes that I hung out with. Um, except for that one guy yeah. took me to the Clash, yeah. they were you know, all anti this. You well, know, it's so yeah. different. It's yeah. so different than anything I think that anyone was listening to at that time. That when people would hear something like the Cro-Mags or even something more commercial like Black Flag or Dead Kennedys, were like, "What yeah. is this? Yeah. What are you, dude? What are you listening to?" <laughs> so I can imagine your experience, you know, yes. having to kind of hide that from these like thugs, not yeah. to not to diminish your friends, but you know, they right, you're yeah. hanging in the corner, stealing so, and mean, getting in fights. It's, I slowly got yeah. them into it, but I had to go through like different means, you know, because they were all like they were really into like all this like. Like guitar-driven mm -hmm. stuff, you know, blues playing, and and, and so I had to like uh, play the Stooges for them, you know. Now, how was, did you discover the Stooges? Uh, actually, through Cream magazine. Okay. It was either Cream or Circus. I was just reading an article on Iggy. Still early eighties. Yeah. I was, and you know, I was reading about how he cut himself up and stuff like that, and I just thought it sounded interesting for some reason because it made him sound like this like you never heard of anyone doing that right. you know what i mean cuts themselves yeah up. i i know i still hadn't even really knew what his music sounded right. like you know and i i went and bought a, a record it was it was it was Where like did a, you go to buy the record do you remember i think third street jazz okay yeah and um they had the basement section of all the imports <laughs> and alternative right yeah you would go and it would say dead boys and then it would tell it would give you the family tree of everything else it would say dead boys lords of the new church the barracudas you know right. so you, right. and that would like then you knew to right. get you know what i mean right just, from one to the other yeah. and then then you were spending all your cash at this yeah church. yeah <laughs> so I, I i i bought this it was like a a, a compilation of iggy record mm -hmm. you know songs from different stuff and and i remember i was i was playing it and, and Brew, Brew was like, where'd you get this, you know? Brubaker. Yeah, yeah, because he didn't... Elusive Brubaker. He didn't think I, like, you know, knew that yeah. stuff. And I was just like, ah, I just bought it, you know? And I was, I was playing it over and over because it was just so catchy. So, so... So you were sneaking off of the corner to your secret life, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so how did you meet Brubaker? Because now you're 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 hanging on the corner. You've discovered you're listening to the Who. You've discovered the Ramones. Yeah. You're getting into the Stooges and you know some of this other you know more obscure punk stuff. How, how do you get off the corner and into the punk scene? Uh, I was seventeen, around when my mom uh, got cancer. By the time I turned 18, she had passed already. Mm -hmm. I had moved from North Philly back to South Philly. With we, your dad? Yeah. We never had sold our house. We still owned that house. Okay. So I moved back to South Philly. So I was still going up to North Philly to hang, you know, because that was my spot. Mm -hmm. my, you know, my girlfriend lived up there at the time. <clears throat> um, I was walking down South Street um, with my girlfriend at the time, Agali, okay. and 
we're get we had an argument out in front of Zipperhead. Uh, I was drinking a bottle of whatever it was, some kind of liquor, and Steve was there. Steve from COS. Circle of shit. Yeah, COS yeah. was Circle of shit. Yeah. It was Brubaker, Steve, Dave Angel, Dave Angel, and Mikey Mike Mumbles. Mikey Mumbles. Yeah. Okay. And we'll um, talk about circle of shit okay. as we go on, but tell me. And so I'm arguing with her, and then after I'm done arguing, Steve just like, hey, man, what's your name? You know, and he starts talking to me and her, and he's like, oh, why don't you hang out? Were you already wearing, like, leather yeah, jackets? Yeah, so you already yeah. had the look? Yeah. Well, now, were you going up to North Philly to hang out with this look? Or oh, yeah, you... yeah. Yeah, the cops would pull me over all the time just because of that, you know. Had a Especially when I walked out of Macaulay's family's house because there was known drug, you mm -hmm. know. And and I'd walk out, and I, you know, I, ne I ain't going to say I never had nothing on me, but most of the time I didn't. So right. they were just searching me, and they wouldn't find anything. What are you doing in that house, you know? So, the, yeah, the leather jacket, you have the hair spiked up, or the, what, what was your look? Oh, uh, well, the early, early look. Because I was going to see Quadrophenia, I had the short buzz hair and the, mm -hmm. and the, and the, the, uh, the trench coat. Right. The <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, you know, at, at, I, I had, you know, I had the mohawk. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd say I still had the buzz at first. You know, I was still, you know, mm -hmm. wasn't uh, ballsy enough to get them all. Anyway, I had the, you know, I, I, as I transferred, I had the mohawk, the leather jacket, and I met Steve. Mm -hmm. at, and um, Would you say that you eventually kind of um, adhered more to sort of that British punk yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they turned me on to all so that. Good. Yeah, like they had prior to that, you know, studded leather jacket. Yeah, I didn't, big not, yeah, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of that right. stuff. Brubaker had his double mohawk. <laughs> yeah. What did you think when you met Brubaker for the first time? How, tell me about that. Do you remember meeting him for the first time? Uh, he was a super nice guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, he definitely, you know, could have been. And should have been a cult leader. You know? <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> because he just, you know, everybody, everybody just was drawn toward him, and you know, he he knew how to just like have you in the palm of his hand. You know, what he I mean? took a lot of grief though for those that double mohawk. Oh yeah, shit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so so you're on South Street, you hook up with the guys from Circle of Shit, so that becomes kind of the crew that you hang out with, right? Mm -hmm. So what is Circle of Shit? Tell me, tell me, they're, they're a band, right? What is their music? It was just like that British, like, UK, like, uh, 82 sound, that it, you know, the exploited GBH mm -hmm. UK subs part, yeah, you know, everything. And they definitely had, they definitely had a specific following, right? And they had... Do, do you remember they had um, Hate Edge was kind of their thing, right? Do you mm -hmm. do you remember what that was about? Can you speak yeah, to that a little I can't, bit? I mean, you know, I I can't explain it, like define it. I you know this was all Bruce stuff. You know what I mean? And it, you know, basically, simply, like the only I could say is. We were all, well, I can speak for myself. I can't speak for anyone else. You know, I can speak mm -hmm. for myself. I was fucking angry. I grew up in an angry neighborhood. <laughs> I grew up a little bit. where you, 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 you fought fear with fear. Right. You know what I mean? You walked down the fucking street and you had people staring at you and you couldn't, you couldn't look at the ground. You had to look them in the eye and then they'd be like, what the fuck are you looking at? And you're like, what the fuck are you looking at? You know, the next thing you know, you know what I mean? So... 
you know, I carried this on to me when I when when I moved down down to South Philly and I met all these guys. It, it, I, I don't know if you if you remember because back then I still had all the North Philly mannerisms yes. of the ghetto, holding my dick and you know right. strolling and I remember. You know, I remember. I had, it took a while for that, you know. You mess with Joey Jack. Yeah, and even to this day, sometimes people will say to me, "Why are you walking with a limp?" And it's something that I do unconsciously, if I'm walking down the street and I see a group of people, mm -hmm. I start to stroll. It's a silly stroll. I start to stroll. <laughs> so, so the hate edge thing for you was what you were angry at the world, and it was it was a way to promote your own kind of inner hate, outer hate. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a violent neighborhood, okay, so now I'm not hanging out with these thugs robbing mm -hmm. people and selling drugs. I'm hanging out with these other kids that hate the world too. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a perfect. Match. It was yeah. It was just a, another another direction uh, to to that to direct my hate towards. Sure. You know mm -hmm. what I mean. So then, so as you started hanging out on South Street, you started going to more shows. Yeah, yeah. And wh where did you go to? What were some of the venues and shows that you saw? Do you remember? Yeah, the first one that Steve had, you know, he invited me out to. I don't remember what the place was called. It was that Cobblestone Street up in the old city. Mm -hmm. um, Church Street? I don't know. Church? Was, was that one of the shows that Howard put on? Yeah, it was Fat Howard's Army and Fang and... Um, I don't remember the venue, but I do. I think, I think Homo Picnic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the mm -hmm. first like underground show yes. now that, yeah, that I've been to. You know, it wasn't... And that was, by then, 85. Yeah, right. It was about eighty four, eighty five. Okay. Yeah. So already by like eighty two, eighty three, you're starting to hang out. But by eighty five, now you're like hanging in the scene. Yeah. Okay. And um. And then from there. And then from there, just you know, flourished to other places. You know, Chuck shows at Abe's. What was the music that you were listening to at that point? Was it still the British influence? Yeah. By that time, it was. Exploiting. Yeah, they were the, kind of the gods. Yeah, of yeah. The and then it was other stuff too that I wasn't, you know, that I that I that I that didn't discover on my own. You know, it was just through them guys, the Dead Boys, mm -hmm. all this other cool like seventies seventies stuff. Sure. Yeah. What um, I just want to back up for one second because it's it's been on my mind as we've been talking. Your 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 well, your mom you said passed when you were eighteen, but as a teenager, did they know what you were doing? Your parents. Were they aware of the stealing and the drugs and the things that were going on? They they weren't really aware of, of the stealing, the drug use, yeah, because I would come home busted up, you know, from Quaaludes back then, you know, you would you would kiss the concrete a lot. Right. You know, so I would have knots, stuff like that, you know. And what what was their reaction? I really don't remember because they didn't really. She didn't really hound me about it, you know. Once in a while, she'd freak out, you know what I mean. But she never really, she never really hounded me. I mean, I remember her crying sometimes. She would come down to the corner to get me. It'd be three, four in the morning, mm -hmm. and I'd be the only one there sometimes, mm -hmm. you know. And she'd be like, "Why are you the only one staying out? Like all your other friends are at home, right. you know." So fast forward, it's 85 and you're into the punk scene. What's your dad think about where oh, you're hanging out? He, I mean, he thought it was crazy, but he he was still 
um, dealing with the loss of my mom too. Mm -hmm. So he mm -hmm. kind of started drinking again. That then he like he had stopped drinking. Okay. He he was starting to drink. So he he pretty much left me alone. He he didn't he didn't hound me for any of you know any of that stuff. Like, and by that time you were already. In I your guess 20s, to him right? it was no different than. My my other brother going through his phase in the '60s, the hippie. You know, I guess it wasn't no different. You know. So as we're sitting here, I see four guitars and a bunch of Marshall stacks. Who taught you how to play guitar? Uh, I taught myself with the guitar for dummies book. <laughs> Seriously. So now I thought you were going to say your dad or someone in your family. Well, no, I grew up. They were always mm -hmm. playing, so there was always guitars around, so I could always pick one up to mm -hmm. play, but I never knew how to play. Um, when did you start playing guitar? I, the, the first time I realized it, it was a, a probably like early 90s. I was over at Noel's mm -hmm. place. And I was playing guitar one day, and I was playing I Want to Be Your Dog. I was like, ding, 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 ding. She goes, I didn't know that you knew how to play guitar. I was like, oh, I didn't know either, <laughs> you know. So, so I was like, well, that's easy, you know what I mean? So then I went and I, you know, was a couple of years after that, I bought a book, Guitar for Dummies. and. So you were able to hear the chords and yeah. and basically read Yeah, well, once I figured that, too, that that was also Bela Lugosi's dead, I now had two songs <laughs> in my arsenal, you know what I mean? I was well on my way. <laughs> How many chords are in Bela Lugosi's dead? That's the same exact one, but it's just slower, it's, you know, it's real slower, but it's the same exact chords. That was chords. an easy one. What's yeah. your most complicated song that you can play? <laughs> that I can play now? Yeah. Uh... I don't know, some like Dead Boys or Stooges or okay. Thunders. Nothing in particular. But I, it's like, okay, once I learned three chords, I got this book and I learned three chords and a friend of mine was like, he goes, oh, he goes, you know those three chords, you can play this song. Right. So he showed me, he showed me some Ramones songs and he showed me some Thunder songs. Right. Ramones were, I mean, they're all three chords. Yeah, songs. yeah, and he showed me some Thunder songs and... And I played them for like two weeks, three weeks, and I was like, I could write my own stuff. You know what I mean? And, and I just started writing yeah. my own. Yeah, and which is, I think, how a lot of people got into playing music in the punk and the hardcore scene when once they realized that it really wasn't that hard to do. They could yeah. do it themselves. So let's go back to 85 again. So now you're hanging out in 85. Are you in a band at that point, or you're just still mm -hmm. hanging out in the scene? No, I'm just hanging out, watching. I'm a fan. You're a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, so, as a fan in 85, did you notice, was there any violence in the scene? Or, um, you know, what, what, what was it like back then? Yeah, there was lots of violence. You know that. <laughs> I know that. But people listening might know. I was there. People out there listening. There was. There what was. kind of violence did you experience? Or uh, did you, were you part of it, or was it uh, Yeah, I, I was part of it, yeah, I was part of it. I was a troublemaker. I've made my amends. I just want everybody to know. <laughs> but, in yeah. I, and, you know, just, and I'm not looking to hang you on a meat hook and say, you know, Joey Jap was, you know, beating people up, but just to talk a little bit, what was the violence about? It was all senseless. I mean, Somebody you know. looked at you wrong. Yeah, or, you yeah. Know, they, they that, didn't have and then you the had, right. you know, you had the skinhead punk thing. Then you had the West Philly, South Philly thing. Then so who were you fighting? My with? favorite was the the South Street in Italian. You remember the Italian? <laughs> the Guidos. Yeah. That that was like. So uh. was it just was it? So was it 
punks on punks, or was it just you guys getting into fights with like people on South Street? I mean, who were you fighting with? It was some of that. It was, you know, people, you're walking down South Street, and people say stuff to you, and you try to stand your ground, mm -hmm. you know? Not like Florida, where you can get away with it, but... Um, in Florida, you can, <laughs> you can just shoot someone. And you can get away with it in Florida, so that's yeah. good to know. So, yeah, it was that, and, and, and you know, uh, and then you had, you know, the skinheads who always would start with punks. Not all of them, but... Did the skinheads give you a hard time? Uh, I did have uh, a bad experience with them that I really... I don't want to talk about it because sure. uh, City Gardens had wanted to interview me about okay. this, and I I declined because okay. I didn't want any more harm caused than what was sure. already caused. You just want to let it go. Yeah, that's fine, and that's fair enough. Did you did did you feel like? Um, let me just ask you this: Was it Philly skinheads, or it's from outside from suburbs. elsewhere suburbs? So. Here you are. I mean, I remember, you know, the scene in the 80s. I mean, it's mostly a, a white scene, although there were a lot of African-American. Yeah, we had a lot now. of Philly. We had black. We had but I think black. you were probably one of the only Puerto Rican. One of the few. One of the very few. Did you feel like that was ever a problem? Like, did you ever feel like people treated you differently? No. No. That's, you know, that's one thing that... So the violence wasn't a result of being Puerto Rican? No, no. And that was one thing about punk. They accepted anybody. It didn't matter. Which is all kinds right. of fucking weirdos that would just show up, you know? Which seems to sort of be a little bit, um, you know, we all say that. Like, punk accepted everybody, but yet you hear these sort of, you know, the skinheads fighting with this group, and this group doesn't like this group. So there's still kind of that non-acceptance happening at the same time, you know, which seems a little bit strange, right? Because yeah. punk is supposed to be yeah, yeah, yeah. the one place where everyone yeah. can go and be who they are, and yet, when you are who you are, you are still looked at in a certain way. Yeah. So it's, you know. Um, Alright, so when did you get into playing music and start your own band? Because I know you're in the Blessed Mothers. Yeah. I, right? did, I, so. I got into playing when I got clean. I was sitting around with another fellow uh, recovering addict, mm -hmm. young dude, Steve. And we're, you know, all you do is when you get, when you get clean, you're in coffee shops every fucking day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just got tired of it. Me and him are sitting in the coffee shop, and we're like, there's got to be something else to recovery than sitting in coffee shops. You know what I mean? Right. So we were just like, let's start a band. And um, I took him to go see this garage band called The Cynics at the North Star Bar. This kid was, I think he had just turned 21, Steve. You know, I used to call him Young Buck. And he really dug it. He never heard anything like that before. He was uh, he was from like Upper Darby up that way, and he was kind of into like the new metal. And I mean, the only punk thing he ever heard was the Misfits. Okay. So I, he, you know, and then I started turning him on to this stuff, you know, Radio Birdman, and and he really just he fell for it. He loved it. He's like, you know, and 
we went to sit in my house uh, one night, and um, we wrote three songs that night, hmm. you know? And this was, so, this was about 16 years ago. This is when you first, right? Yeah, 34, yeah. 34, it was yeah. late 90s. Yeah, okay. and then here's a kid who never played that type of stuff, but had no problem, you know, Picking um, it out. Yeah, figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we wrote like three songs, and then by the time he came back, like the next week, I had like another three or four, you know? By, you know, by that time, then I'm just obsessed with it. I gotta write songs, I gotta write mm -hmm. songs. So we, we, um, we wrote a bunch of songs, and then we got some other people. We got, uh, let's see, who's, I'm trying to remember, who was in that first initial <laughs> lineup. It was me, Steve, Young Buck, Young Buck, that's what I used to call him. He was playing, he was playing drums at that time. We got uh, Mumbles on second guitar. I was playing, uh, you know, uh, rhythm guitar. Mike was playing lead. And we rehearsed for a while with that lineup until we, you know, till I felt confident. And I was like, it's time to get a singer. So I called up my friend Freddie Pompey. Um, he's old cat. Um, I don't know if you if you remember Freddie, but his his wife used to manage Zipperhead Margarita. Okay. And. Um, Freddie, you know, I was like, oh, would you, would you sing? He was in the Immaculate, well, at that time, I guess the Immaculate Hearts, they were broken up by then. But uh, I asked him if he would sing, and he's like, oh, let me hear the stuff. So I played it for him. He's like, yeah. So he rehearsed with us. He became our singer. And by the time we were going to play our very first show, Steve, who started the band with me, came down with pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, it was weird, because at that same time, Spider came down with pancreatic cancer. It's spider? S spider from Pure Hell. From Pure Hell? Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure that that's who you're referring to. This is his. Oh, you're wearing his medallion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, uh... What was your connection with Spider? How long had you known him? Uh, I just met him, and I guess it was like... The, I don't know if it was the late 80s or early 90s, mm -hmm. just because Magali would hang out a lot with uh, Linda. Mm -hmm. Remember Linda? Mm -hmm. And that's how I met him. Um, but, you know, I'd known him for, for, you know, a long time, and he he would come over my house because my brother sold speed, <laughs> you know? So how did you come across wearing his medallion <laughs> that says musician? Uh, um, how did you get to have Well, that? we became really close friends because he, he got clean. Okay. So, so, um, you know, we were hanging out a lot, you know, going to meetings and just hanging out. And, um, and then when he, he came up, came down with pancreatic cancer too, him and Steve died right around the same time. Steve never even got to play his first show wow. with us. Noel ended up filling in for him. Okay. Um, anyway, okay, so Spider dies and I, um, you know, I put, together this big memorial serve, uh, show for him, and, and I started dating a sister. Okay. Spider's and, sister. Yeah. Lisa. Lisa. I went to elementary school with Lisa. Okay. Sanders. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> after he died, 
Um, that's how I got this. His, his mom and sister gave me some of his personal belongings. Wow. So now, were you, had you already named yourselves the Blessed Mothers at this point? Yeah, Freddie came up with that name. Where, how, how did he, what was his inspiration for the Blessed Mothers? Uh, he was, he, he's a Catholic kid. Mm -hmm. He grew up in West Philly. Um, now, Freddie is, he's 65 years old now. Wow. He's, he's an OG. He, like, he played in garage bands in Philly in the 60s, mm -hmm. like, that played with, like, Todd Rundgren mm -hmm. and the Naz. Um, he, he did doo-wop. He used to go on American Bandstand. Wow. wow. He used to go to Atlantic City and do the doo-wop battles mm -hmm. underneath the bridges. Wow. Um, and then in the 70s, he went to Canada and he started the first punk band in like 76, 77, the Biotones. Okay. Where is Freddie? Freddie is in South Philly now. Okay. So anyway, uh, Freddie had to leave Canada at a certain point because he got busted twice with drugs. And... He was no longer allowed to stay in Canada. Okay. Um, so, oh, so Freddie, Freddie's Catholic boy from West Philly, and he kind of has this obsession. I guess you know, mine isn't as bad as mine's is more of because it reminds me of my mother. I have all her icons. Are you religious? I mean, do you identify with the Catholic faith? No, no. I'd say I'm more spiritual. Mm -hmm. But uh, f anyway, so Freddie, Freddie liked he like uh, all these religious icons mm -hmm. and stuff. Like I, the band he had previous before uh, before mm -hmm. the Blessed Mothers was the Immaculate Hearts. Right. You know, he had that cool tattoo with the bleeding heart, mm -hmm. and so I, you know, I, you know, he came up with this name, and at first it didn't really register well with me. Um, but like a day later or two, I was like, wow, that's a cool name. So it's a great name. Yeah, so that's how. Especially we, since it's mother. Yeah, mother. and then I took, and then it, you know, it, it just took on like a meaning of like, because when we first started out, it was it was several of us. We were in recovery. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it was like, yeah, we're really blessed to still be alive. Mm -hmm. But do you consider yourself like a, a religious band? I mean, what's, no. what's what are your lyrics about? Oh, and what's your sound? Well, we, I mean, I've seen you, but people listening might. Yeah, well, no, I, I, you know, it's mid tempo. I like to to try to stick to more of a seventies sound than the faster, you know. It kind of, it, I think of Captain Sensible. I think of, you know, a certain genre. Yeah, my, yeah, my, my, I mean, my favorite dance. influences as I was writing at the time were Iggy and the Heartbreakers. Mm -hmm. So I tried to do a blend of both of those. You know what I mean? Um. And what are your lyrics about? Um, some, I mean, some of them are just about, like, true things, you know, things that happened in my life. Some, like, I, you know, I, I was sitting home one time, and it's like, well, if you're a true songwriter, you got to be able to write a love song when you're not in love, you know? <laughs> right, so you became the singer. You lost your singer and became Yeah, the yeah, singer. yeah. Freddie, right. Freddie had to leave the so band. He was, the he was, now. he was still strung out, you know, he's on methadone, and... He would bump his, he would bump the mic and his teeth would fall out. <laughs> that is punk. You know? <laughs> it's totally so, punk. So you, so you are writing the lyrics. Yeah. And you, with your band, are writing the music. Is that yeah. everybody's writing the music and you're solely doing lyrics? I was writing, no, I was writing all the songs. Me, me and Steve started out, but right. he, you know, he had right. passed. So I was writing them all. Um, 
by the time uh, <coughs> Freddie had Freddie left the band, mm -hmm. and then I just looked at Mumbles and I was like, "Well, me and you got it." I was Mike, you sing. He's like, "No, you sing." I was like, "Well, <laughs> we'll both sing," you know. Yeah. So now Mike started to write. So it was me and Mike mm -hmm. writing, and by the time we recorded our first CD, Mike had two songs already, and all the rest were ones I had written. So when did you record your first CD? What year was that? Twelve, thirteen years ago, fourteen—I don't know. So you were yeah. pretty well established already. I mean, you must have been opening for some pretty good bands or headlining shows to be well, doing your own. CD yeah, well, at that I mean, point. we really didn't headline, but we had—we played with a lot of like. Who'd you open up for? Man, I mean, you no know, one can see all your posters <laughs> here in your basement. Well, I have so. to look at them too. <laughs> I mean, there was great Philly bands that I've always loved, you know, like Carnival of Shame, one of my top five favorite bands, right? Okay. Then it was like the Batootsies, Sylvain, Sylvain and Cheetah Chrome mm -hmm. from Dead Cheetah. Boys and New York Dolls. Right. And then the Zeros from Chula Vista, California. It was like, oh, that... And they were all, they're all Mexican, so it was like, you know... And where were some of the venues that you were playing at, at that point? Oh... A lot of the venues I had moved down this area now, Fishtown. I mean, the, at first, when we first started playing, they were still in Center City and South Philly area. Um, but now, a lot of these are are down, you know, the Troc. We played there with the surviving members of the MC5. I was like, wow, cool. And then we played... Um, we played the L Bar, which we st we started rehearsing there. The owner let us rehearse there for free, so we said it's a dive. It's really successful now. It's a big um, uh, hipster hangout now, but it was a dive, and it, 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 everybody was drawn to it. And um, we had Jimmy's Jimmy, not Jimmy Zero. Um, what's his name? The drummer from the Dead Boys played with us one night. He was living here in Philly wow. for a whole summer. Um, and he was doing construction and working with several people, and he played drums with us one night there. How did he get to be in Philly? He moved here with his girlfriend, who, she was, uh, like a hairstylist, mm -hmm. and they were living here, and he was a mess, drunk, bad. And, um, you know, they were going around partying at all the bars and stuff like that, and, uh, so that's how he, they moved wow. here. Then he met, you know, he met people, and like, you know, he was working with, like, Ronnie Kitagawa and, mm -hmm. and Tony Cheater, and he was doing mm -hmm. construction work. Then his, his girlfriend ended up running off with some guy at a biker, one of the biker bars, so he was left here by himself for a while, and he, you know, he was just really bad drunk, and he had to, he had to leave Philly, and he had gone to rehab. So, you recorded your first CD, where did you record it? Where did we record that? Where did we record that? Oh, Chris. Chris from Mondo Topless had a studio. He was living in, like, Camden at the time. And we recorded that in his, um, in his attic okay. at his spot. Okay. And how many CDs did you print? Uh, we, well, we, pr we printed it ourselves at first, um... You know, we would just do like 20 at a time or whatever, excuse me, and then, um, and then 
I forget the name of the label. Oh, World Eater Records. It was mostly, it was all metal bands on that uh, label. Mm -hmm. They end up putting it out for us. Mm -hmm. um, and we just, they printed up 100. And after that, it got like another 100. And then and that was it. Never printed up anymore. So since then, so this is now 13, 14 years that the Blessed Mothers have been playing, mm -hmm. right? Have you recorded more music since then? Yeah, we we went in the studio just not too long ago. I'd say five, six months ago, we were going to start doing a, a second record. Mm -hmm. And the guys we had playing with us, they had been playing with us. Uh, I don't want to mention no names or sure. anything like that, but both of these particular dudes had been playing with us for close to two years. And when we get into the studio and we lay down these songs, and when we go back to listen to them, they they didn't know they didn't know the songs. You know what I mean? The 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 rhythms was off. Mm. The drums, I mean, you know, the drummer we knew wasn't that good from the get, but we you know we were hoping that he would get better. You know what I mean? After playing with us for so long, anyway, it it got real frustrating. Um. We just were like, because we, we were rehearsing really hard, you know what I mean? And, um, like, the prior, when you saw us, mm -hmm. when we played that Ruin show, we rehearsed, we were rehearsing like crazy, and the show fell apart at the end. The drummer, once he made his first mistake, it just went downhill. That was a fun show, though. Tom. It was fun. So, Three quarters of it was good, <laughs> but once he made that first mistake, anyway, to make a long yeah. story short, we, we we decided we couldn't continue with this lineup anymore because it just felt like we were digressing instead of pro progressing. Mm -hmm. So we took a hiatus. Um, you know, I went off and I'm doing this other project. And Raj is doing another project now, our bass player. And um, we're going we're to start rehearsing again either next week or the following week. So do you have your new lineup? We have Chris Unrath with us now. Okay. He... Play, he he played one show with us so far. And uh, what is he playing? What? He he's playing rhythm guitar okay. and and some leads. He's a lead okay. guitar player. Okay. But Joe was already playing the lead, so Joe P. He's still in the band, and Rods is on bass. So Rods's buddy Lenny is going to be playing drums with us. Um, we had several people contacting us about playing drums and. I sent them messages like we're you know we're kind of on a hiatus mm -hmm. now, but um, but I like the fact that uh, has Bobby like, from the Executive Slacks contacted you? No, I don't know. Every, <laughs> every drum call he's no, which is face did uh, from <laughs> from informed sources did. Oh, um, uh, what's his yes. name? Yeah, he contacted me. I can picture Not Sky. Face. No, I can picture I his went face knocking and... on Sky's door trying to get him to play, and he, he didn't answer. <laughs> God bless his soul. But maybe that was a, a yeah, <laughs> so, so now you have the new lineup. So let me ask you this question. So last, last summer, Ruin played their reunion show, but the night before, you got to open up for them at Dobbs. Had you seen Ruin play back in the 80s? Many times, yeah. Were they a band that you liked as a young one of my British top, One of my top punk? five. Yeah, see, now that, <laughs> I'm glad you bring that point up, because they were the only band that everybody liked, no matter what fucking genre, you know what I mean? Why it, do you think that was? What? Because they were Buddhists, and a lot it, of us it, were like, I think at that yeah. time, it just... It, it, 
it the vibe. It's like hate punk skinheads, uh, art fag skate punks, and you know what? they're all in the room at once and nobody's fighting. And there's this like so ruin was able to transcend <laughs> and bring everyone together as a family, yeah, just like yeah. they did at the reunion show. Yeah, just if only if it was just for an hour. Maybe a fight broke out afterward, but not at that. But moment. they still had that kind of power even back then. <laughs> yeah. So what was that like for you to get to open for them at Dobbs the night before? Oh, it was it was it was fucking cool. I mean, it was just as important to me as opening up for the guys from the MC Five and the Zeros and. Whoever the fuck else I ever opened up with, you know. But that was that was Philly family. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I mean, they were they were sort of not to call you guys old because we're all the same <laughs> ages, but I mean they're kind of the grandfathers of this whole yeah. punk scene, right? So so you have I mean you never left you know they say some people left the scene or they say you know and punk died in '85 mm -hmm. you know Love Hall closed up and C Center died off and you know there were no more shows and punk is dead. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? My thought is. It's whatever you make it out to be in your own head, you know. Um, I still go, um, I go see old bands, and, and it, 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 you know, I go, I go, I go, and I see new bands, and then when I see that one new band that blows me away, it just makes it so worthwhile, you know what I mean? I wouldn't say it's dead. It's not like it used to be, of course. How do you how do you feel but like it's we're changed? not like we used to be either? Exactly. You know, it's it's you know. It's, so how do you think it has changed over the thirty years? Thing? Well, here's the thing. Okay, like you you run into that little kid you see now who's fourteen or fifteen or sixteen, and you know they got a mohawk or, or or spikes or whatever the fuck they got going on. You can't tell them that punk is dead in their head. <laughs> You know right. what I mean? Because it's new yeah. to them. It's and, their yeah. experience. Yeah, so I can't do that. I can't go around crushing <laughs> <the kid laughs> Do you spirit. think it's dead? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I think it, it, whatever you make it out to be. You know, some people will say that it is, but I don't, you know. Do you see it just as a continuum where it's yeah. it just keeps re-evolving? Yeah, everything is that, though. You know, everything is... Except everything hasn't lasted for almost 40 years. Like, what other scene has really hung on with the true spirit like punk does? Uh, Do you think anything can really parallel it? I don't think every every uh, anything else is as is as powerful and fun as it. But you know, you have revivals of all kinds. Of music. You know, you have the hip, like you had that fish band. You know, <laughs> they were you know that was at, like, I agree, that and fish band. and that's just the fucking Grateful Dead. It's a whole new hippie movement, right? Well, what do and you then you got this big garage now, you know, garage right. from the 60s, right. and you got this garage. And had a couple comebacks. Yeah. What do you think keeps drawing young people into the punk scene? What do you, What is it about it that you feel is the allure for them? I can't say what it is for them. I could say what it was for me. What was it for you? Um... Fashion had some of it to do with it, of course. <laughs> you could spike your hair yeah. and wear a leather jacket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just the it 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 to me it was like was like um independent movies. It gave you other options. 
just like, you know, independent, you see independent movies, they're so fucking good, a lot of them, because the people that are doing them are not, you know, they're not... They're thinking outside the box. Yeah, they're, they're not under pressure, you know what I mean? They're doing it for fun, and... Do you see it as something creative? Yeah, and, and, that, and that's the same with punk. You, you get to be, you know, who you want to be. You're not being dictated by someone, you know what I mean? Until... You know, you reach that point where you know that some bands have 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 got to like the Clash and Green Day and stuff, mm -hmm. where you know they're making lots of money and they're being told what to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Do you think they they sold out? Uh I ain't gonna lie. I would do it. <laughs> I'd do it in <laughs> a mean, second. It, yeah, I mean, isn't that kind you know, of the, the, the hope that you become successful? Yeah, what you yeah. Do, I, you know, yeah. you know, do that or you know or fucking what you know break your back doing some blue collar work you know like now i'm all busted up from it you know what i mean hurt back and hey we're wearing the same shirt yeah. we both have our stickman t-shirts yeah. on this was the <laughs> i just noticed this that this the, the, Sorry. the Pete baker the elusive, benefit shirt the elusive stickman <laughs> we're both wearing them that's hysterical sorry i just you know add um so so just and i guess i'm just thinking about everything you've said to me in the past hour was there a moment where you know like any pivotal moment where you decided i don't want to hang on the corner anymore like this punk thing offers me an outlet it offers me a place to express my anger my creativity it allows me to be myself i don't have to you know um necessarily get into fights or you know it sounds like you grew out of some of that yeah, basically what happened, because I, like, I had moved from North Philly back to South Philly, but I would still go to North Philly right. every fucking weekend, that's right. what, you know, but as, 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 you know, a couple years went by, I, um, I, I, I stopped going down there, I don't know, like, what made me to completely stop going down there, I guess it was just, you know, because I, I had uh, start hanging out on a new scene and, and got all these, you know, Doing different friends and stuff like that. But it was a lifesaver, right. you know. What because, do you think would have happened if you didn't find punk and you kept hanging oh, in North Philly? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I would have been in jail or like, you know, my, you know. You think uh, you'd be alive? That's a possibility that <laughs> I, I could have been, because I was shot at so many times when I lived there. You know, just um, hanging on the corner, ran hanging on the corner, gang warren, uh, a robbery I did with this dude Ace one time, and we we kicked in a bar door like two in the morning, and he's like, "You grab those JBL speaker giant speakers mm -hmm. on the wall." He's like, "I'll go for the cash register, right?" So <laughs> I'm taking these speakers off the wall and. I drop it on my head and fall off this table and make this big loud noise we take off and we come back and the door was still open so we're like mm. we went back in and the guy was sitting right mm. there waiting for us and he mm -hmm. just started bam 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 wow. and we hauled ass out of there this night was fucking nuts we hauled ass i realized it, i ran about five blocks before i realized i was running in the wrong direction so then I finally gather my thoughts, and I start coming back, and I find Ace again, Siki. So we're walking down the street, and we're going right near Huntington Park, and we see Lefty, this dude Lefty we know across the street. There's this old guy with a gun in back of Lefty's back, 
walking them down the street. Looking for you guys? No, no. Or just randomly. You're randomly. So you're getting shot at, yeah, and your friend yeah. has a gun to his and, back. And Lefty's like, yo, yo, chap, yo, Siki. <laughs> so we go over there. Like, hi, how you doing? Yeah. Or like, hey, come help no, me. No, like, help. He's like, yo, yo. So we go over there, and we're like talking to it. Like, Lefty was going to stick this guy up, and the guy oh, pulled the gun out on him. <gasps> So weren't you scared all the time? I mean, I just it's, can't it's imagine. It's become normal. It's normal. Yeah. Well, it's not normal, but, but, but in your it does yeah. become your normal. Yeah, you become desensitized to violence yeah. when yeah. you live amongst violence. And um, did so, that night change you at all? No, no, but I knew the shit was wrong. I knew it all. You know, I knew what it was, was wrong. Were you already heavily into heroin at that point? No, back then it was it was uh, it was shortly thereafter though. It was pills. Were you stealing coke, to get money coke, for tons drugs? Tons of coke. Yeah. You're so you're I stealing mean, yeah. to get the money. We're doing lots, lots of coke. Okay. Yeah, in fact, that's what we were doing: breaking in the bar so we can get so money for, money. for yeah for coke. Yeah. Um, so, so we, the guy, you know, this older guy has gone up to Lefty, and we talked the guy out of it. We're like, like, look. You got to shoot all three of us, and there's like we're like there's no way you're going to get all three of us that That's a quick. Ballsy move. One of us are going to get you, so just leave him go. So he let him go, and we walked away, and we had about three dollars <laughs> from the guy. No, or from the from the bar, from the bar. <laughs> and we went to the speakeasy. You know, you all could have wound up dead that night. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. That dude that I was with that night, he's dead. Ace, he died was died from. Someone killed him. He was a troublemaker. He would he would rob a lot of people. Um, he he put a gun up to my head one time and was firing it, firing it, firing it. It had a, a a bad pin on it. You know, he was just joking around, but it was loaded. You know what I mean? I, I think I remember hearing that story. But uh. <clears throat> He was one of those guys. He he came from a, a pretty crazy family, and so people were scared of him and his and his mm. uncles. But he messed with too many people, so and he came after yeah, and and no one missed him when he was gone. You know, <laughs> sad. Wow. So. so looking back on that, thoughts. I mean, just you know, are you? Do you look at? your youth and wonder how you survived it do you feel like punk the punk scene saved your life in some ways or were, when you got into the punk scene were you still you know stealing and robbing when you got into heroin now you're not hanging out in north philly you're doing heroin you're hanging in the punk scene were you still doing robberies to support your house no no by that time i was in the punk scene no i wasn't i wasn't steal, like stealing or robbing robbing you know i still you know i guess was a, a functioning addict. I worked, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? What kind of work did you do? Uh, a contractor, cleaning out exhaust systems. Um, well, it wasn't until later when I really got, you know, strung, strung out that I was right. stealing and robbing, but I wasn't doing it that way, the way I did in North Philly. How were you doing it? Uh, mostly stealing just from friends or relatives or um i know there were, and i'm not going to name names but i know that there was a small group of people who had access to guns who were breaking into people's homes um to steal for their heroin habit that you hung out with is that correct uh 
No, that wasn't me. I'm not saying it was you. <laughs> I'm saying no. that there are people that I know that you, well, you might have been affiliated yeah, with but I, knew. Yeah. I'm not saying it was you doing yeah, that. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I know people who did that, but I, 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 like, I did that when I lived in North Philly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? By the time... By the time I was hanging out on the punk scene and, and I was, you know, doing drugs, I kind of had, was so distant from that, you know what I mean? I did, I, uh... But you knew that that was happening. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. we know who those people are, but we're, yeah, we're yeah. not going to help them. No, yeah, some of those guys, I, I bonded with really well because they reminded me of where I grew up and reminded me of the people I hung out with. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And there's so I had it. feeling and yeah. similarities. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you speak Puerto Rican, Spanish? Um, Did you, do your, your parents spoke, right? Yes. Did you grow up speaking your native language? No. They, 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 they would speak to me in Spanish and I'd be like, I don't know what you're saying. So it would force them to speak to me in English. So when I went to Puerto Rico, it was kind of hard for me to cop. <laughs> I just, I just say manteca ganchos. I know how to say that, and that was good enough. You know, no, I, I made it a point right before my dad died to learn a Spanish song, so I played it for him. Mm -hmm. It was uh, what song is it? Uh, was it? It's an old. Uh, it's actually a Cuban. It's an old Cuban classic song. Um. Do you remember any of the lyrics? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, Guantalamera. <laughs> Guantalamera. It's actually, it's a part of uh, Cuba, uh, um, like a hick part of mountains, you know. And um, Do you remember any of the lines from the song? Yo soy un hombre sincero. I am a, a, a man of sincerity. Yo soy un hombre sincero. I don't remember the rest of the lyrics, but I remember what they mean. It comes from the mountains. It's and a hick song. Did this song have particular meaning for your dad or for you? About well, yeah, it had, it had meaning to him, but I, like, he was on his deathbed, and I, he was, he was coming, he was going in and out of it that week, and I, I was I brought my guitar over to play songs for him because when I would do it he would be there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was he wasn't. He was he, alert. Yeah, and when I did that song, his eyes just opened up. That's amazing. That's an awesome thing to do for your dad. Yeah. Amazing, and I'm sure that he appreciated that. Yeah. And I can see by your reaction how much meaning it had to you as well. So, I hope we've covered everything. Or that I was going to ask for you to speak to me in Spanish and say something really beautiful because I love the language and I, I just wanted to hear you say something. But, well, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. And it came from the mountains. And so did I to meet with you today. So, um, any parting words or anything that you want to say that we didn't cover today um, before we go? Oh. Uh. If anybody out there is interested, I just got some new projects. The Blessing Brothers will be playing again soon. Um, you know, doing a Johnny Thunders tribute with some of my favorite Philly guys, Mikey uh, Mumbles from COS and uh, Mikey Shemail. And the drummer from Shemails. Yeah. And from Astronaut Your Planet. Sadistic Exploits. And Noel. 
who played in Dr. Bombay. Dr. Bombay, who we should probably Daddy. talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays guitar. Bass. Yeah. Bass players. Mm -hmm. And well she was playing keyboards then. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You're right. You're right. She plays but she plays guitar, right? Doesn't she? She plays a little guitar, okay. but she's I a thought, bass player. I thought, okay. And then I got, you know, another new project, uh, Power Pop. Oh, quickly, tell me about Power Pop, because you were just in the studio. Yeah, uh, I see, there's a lot of older people don't know this term. I mean, basically, all it is is pop music. I mean, they, it wasn't called Power Pop in the 70s, but around that time, you know, when punk was, was just coming out, you had all these bands like The Knack, and uh, the speedies and the list goes on and on and on but it was just pop music that ha had a sonic yeah. and um and it's another one of those genres that have been making um comebacks you know and uh, i've been wanting to do it for several years i had i had actually started it about a year a little over a year ago with a different group of guys mm -hmm. but it it we had like two or three rehearsals and my back was really fucked up then and our one guitar player that was uh, going to do it with us, he started, he was getting vertigo. So he, he, he was going to the hospital a lot so it never panned out and now I found, you know, a, a new group of guys to do it and these particular guys, like I knew they really liked pop music, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, Adrian and Chris Unrath, they really like bubblegum, mm -hmm. you know, so I knew they would be perfect for it, you know what I mean? So is the goal to put out a CD? How many songs did you record? Uh, we recorded four, mm -hmm. and I still have eight more for them to learn, so um, I hope, you know, it, it should be done in like three weeks I mean most of the the you know we're over most of you know the hump with it there's just got some more leads got to be put in put into it some gang vocals and then it's got to get mixed and Chris is going to master it I'm hoping after that that uh, we'll be able to start working on the other songs Chris is going to be going to Japan soon his wife is from Japan so she, he's going to be going there I don't know when and then Adrian and and Sal, they're they're working musicians. They 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 do um they they were doing like eight shows a month doing cover band stuff with Billy Delight. Okay. So do you want to play out with Power Pop? Is that the goal? Yeah. Is this sort yeah. Of just no, a, no. A the goal was to play out, but it's not going to be you know it's not going to be like the Blessed Mothers. Right. You know what I mean? A lot. It's gonna you know some shows here and there. Okay. Um, just to, you know, a different side, right. you know what I mean? And, and do you have a, a, a means to distribute the CD at this point when it comes no, out? We don't even have a name. We don't have <laughs> just, a name. Power they, they, pop. They keep shooting down any names I come up with, and so far they haven't... Sal's the only one that came up with a name, the wrong ones. I don't want a negative name. Sure. You know? Right. So, right, we'll um, have to have a contest. I, I'm good at naming oh, things. I'm I, I, think I did about that. It. Look, I, look at all these. These are some of the names that Let's people see. from online have given uh, me. I mean, some of them I came up with too. But I'm bringing. I'm going to bring these to them. The slip kids, knickknacks, <laughs> image makers, the Rickies, Los Calambr 
Calambros. Calambros. Don't ask me what it means. Oh, yeah, it sounds good. The way coolers. <laughs> <laughs> the red hot dots. American finger. <laughs> Is that like the middle finger yeah, or what? Of course. <laughs> These are great. Well, we will have to wait in suspense to see what happens to the naming of the Power Pop Band. Um, Joey Jap, it was so nice to sit down and talk with you. I've known you for, I don't know, 30 years or so. Um, and it is beautiful to sit here with you, and I'm really glad to see that you're doing well, and that you're on track, and that you are playing music and still hanging in the scene. Thank you. Well, I'm glad this interview was from you, because I've known you for so long, and I've always wondered where the hell, whatever happened to you. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, been bumping into you lately, and it's awesome. Yeah. It's really awesome. All right, on that note, thank you. Loud, fast, Philly, checking out.